Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Your feedback about abortion continues to challenge us in positive ways. Today we discuss that feedback and challenge ourselves to think critically about the developments of the week. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. going to dive right into today's episode because our new president has been very busy. His pen has been flying out of his hand practically as he signs executive orders. It's been a frenzy, really, Mm -hmm. of actions. So we're still digesting everything that has happened so far. The late-breaking news as we record is that President Trump today signed an order on immediate construction of the wall between the United States and Mexico. I have to say, Sarah, that I have not fully come to appreciate what that order means yet, because obviously any sort of appropriation of funds for that would have to be authorized by Congress. So I haven't been able to actually read the order yet and figure out what we are to make of this order. Well, I'm struggling with all the orders 
period, because you have control of Congress. So I'm not really understanding the necessity of 10 executive orders in your first week. I agree with that. And you know that one of my major criticisms of the Obama administration was the use of executive orders. And I fear that the reason that I oppose that is playing out now, right? We have action to stop the influx of refugees from certain countries. We have immigration policy from President Obama, some of which was enacted by executive order being overturned. I mean, that's the problem with doing business this way. There isn't any Mm -hmm. stability. Well, and I think that it's not only no stability, but I don't think, you know, I've read a lot of criticisms of these executive orders, particularly the healthcare one he signed on Inauguration Day, that, you know, when you run a business, you have a profit to measure your success by. And that's sort of an inherent goal. When you run a government, profit is not your motivation. And so you need to have a goal in mind with which to measure your success. And I'm not sure he has a goal in mind with any of these except for they can't accuse me of not keeping my campaign promises. Like the they're, the way they're written doesn't seem to be, you know, comprehensive with an actual outcome in mind. They're just, we're changing things. Like, why the gag rule? Like, you don't care about that. No one thinks you care about that. It's... It's damaging and increases abortions. Like, I just am so, it's so, you know, really not surprising, I guess, in the way it is very reactionary. But Sarah, also, I think, yeah. Can you, can you say, for people who have been following the news, maybe at more of a distance, you're talking about the gag rule as it pertains to funding health organizations throughout the world that provide abortion. There's separately a discussion of gags on different administrative agencies. So just to draw that distinction. Well, an important distinction is I'm not talking about organizations that provide abortion because it is illegal um, to provide any United States funds to foreign organizations in around the world and to any organizations inside the country that provide abortions. So nobody's money at any time and any place is going to providing abortions. What the gag rule does is prevent um, non-governmental agencies from at any point offering abortion as an option to a woman. If they offer abortion, they lose their funding So from the United States government. And so what many of them do Um, because they feel it is unethical to restrict, you know, the sort of medical options they would offer to the women coming to see them is refuse the funding, which greatly limits the services that they can provide, including health care, birth control, reproductive services. So there's a lot of science that, you know, it's, it's a seesaw, this rule. Reagan did it, then Clinton revoked it, then Bush did it, then Obama revoked it. And so we have a decent amount of data that says because they restrict their services, abortions actually increase under this rule. So it's incredibly frustrating as a person that is, you know, passionate about reproductive health and helping women across the world that this silly posturing rule is now going to harm people. And again, like, I just don't understand his motivation. I don't think it's an issue he cares about. But I think what we're learning from all these is the idea that this argument that, well, he's all talk, he won't do any of these things, 
is clearly not accurate. No, and I think that's what it amounts to. He wants to be seen as a person of action. He wants Mm -hmm. to be seen as a strong and tough, go-get-it-done kind of guy. What I am really reflecting on is this will show what the Republican Party at large is made of at this point. And I know that there are people who would say, well, the election has shown that, right? And it's nothing. Okay, fine. I still naively or foolishly or optimistically, however you want to characterize it, believe that there are principled conservatives in positions of leadership who actually look at things like the Constitution the way that I do. I want to know if under a President Trump they're going to do anything about that. I'm so disheartened that we don't have public outcry from members of the Republican Party about the use of executive orders. Where are the people saying, hey, Mr. President, like you have control of Congress, like we can work with you to get some of these things done the right way. But let's go through the process. I'm just I'm really I understand that it's a difficult sell. His pitch is easier, right? He can go to the public and say, you wanted a wall by God, we're going to build it whether Congress wants to or not. You know, you don't like reproductive rights, so I'm going to start chipping away at them. We're going to repeal Obamacare right now. With the signature of my pen, we're going to block people from coming into the country who scare you. That's all what he said he would do. And so there is a sense in which he is just delivering on what he promised. But none of that is conservative. In the mechanism of using executive orders to get there. And I would argue that a lot of it is not conservative under any rubric. So I'm just kind of watching to see what happens from here. Well, I think that the executive orders are most likely going to continue. Vox is reporting that they've been leaked executive orders. They were leaked, I believe, maybe six executive orders yesterday on, which would be Tuesday, we're recording on Wednesday. And when they matched up exactly with the ones he signed today, they felt comfortable coming out and say, okay, these are the other ones. Um, They include a immigration ban on six majority Muslim countries, um, ending the DACA and DAPA program that allow children who came to America under the age of 16 illegally to um, stay if they have not committed a crime, something that I am flabbergasted we can all not get behind. Um, And it's just... You know, all the ugliness that was supposed to be rhetoric seems to be flowing right out of that pen all over these executive orders. And it's just so discouraging. Meanwhile, the the other thing. Oh, go ahead. I just wonder when you said that was supposed to be rhetoric. I wonder where the average Trump voter is on that. Did people vote for him because they expected him to actually do what he said, and that's sort of the change to Washington that people were looking for? Or did people blow a lot of this off and think, well, if he gets 30 percent, you know, because some of what he's doing right now, I fully comprehend why people like it. I fully comprehend why people support going ahead with the um the Dakota Access Pipeline and the Keystone Pipeline and demanding that all of the steel be made in the United States. that That's not my governing philosophy, but I get the appeal of it. Jobs, 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 right? If he stuck to that agenda, I would, I would completely understand. So I just wonder if the average Trump voter expected him to get 
like a slice of it and saw the rest as rhetoric or if people are really saying, good, because we're going to hold his feet to the fire on every single thing he ha- did on the campaign trail. Well, the um, I think it was Vox did a really interesting thing where they went to Kentucky to some of the poorest counties in Kentucky with huge membership within the Obamacare marketplace, but also in a huge um, percentage of people who voted for Trump. And they were all like, well, we didn't think he'd really take it away. He's not going to actually take it away from everybody. He's going to make it better. He's going to make it more affordable. So I think that, it, I mean, it depends on the issue. I had an exchange with my father during the Democratic National Convention uh, where Khazar Khan's family came up and at the end, I texted my dad and said, this is why I can never vote for this man. And he said, well, he doesn't mean people like him. So I think there was definitely a, you know, excuses from the most passionate Trump supporters. It's just locker room talk. He doesn't mean it. He's really not going to do this. Of course he's not. So I think there was a, a bit of a, allowance. My, that was my favorite quote. And I don't know if it was Mark McKinnon who said it. The press took Trump Literally, but not seriously. His voters took him seriously, but not literally. Well, he's certainly putting to rest any ideas that he didn't mean what he said. Although I have to say that I'm not giving him credit on this, but we are seeing a little bit of a walk back on some of these policies. Moderation is too strong of a word, (laughs) but evolution in terms of we're not going to ban all Muslims. We're just going to stop immigration from certain Muslim countries. Now, I still don't feel good about that. I don't And ban all refugees. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, I think these are terrible policies, but it's better than where he was going on the trail. He said, we're going to make Mexico pay for the wall. It's looking now like what he means is we're going to withhold the cost of the wall from funding that we would otherwise provide to Mexico. You know, so there's some reality check settling in on some of these policies. And I hope that as he settles into the office more, that process continues. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer. In my personal opinion, 
in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. There's also been a lot of leaks and a lot of um, infighting and interesting information coming out about the Trump team. Uh, several of his top aides are still using a private email server, which makes my head want to turn around backwards. And he is still using an unsecured Android phone. And again, where is the <sighs> outrage from Republicans in Congress? This is the moment when people need to step up and say, listen, We've been accused of political shenanigans for the past eight years. We meant some of this. We actually care about the security of information. It It's so disappointing to me to have the Republican Congress proving out some of the worst of what the left accused them of because they're not willing to stand on conviction. Yeah, it's really it's so upsetting and the hypocrisy is so bare. I can barely see straight. So I think that what I, the only correct prediction I made about Donald Trump so far is that this is what was going to happen. His team was going to leak like a sieve and you're going to get stories about him yelling and screaming and then not able to control him and frustration. And I'm mad that someone, I'm mad that Kellyanne Conway's office is here where it really needs to be here and all this stuff. So, you know, I I don't see an end to that. I don't think that, I think the leaks and the sloppiness will continue. How much of that, if any, Sarah, do you think is strategic, though? Because don't you think that President Trump understands probably better than anyone else that if his administration is days of our lives, people will continue to watch that and perhaps take their eye off the ball? I think that, well, I mean, I think that the Clinton, you know, the Clinton White House was notorious for this thing, for this type of behavior, too. And I think it detracts from what you really want to do because this is not a campaign. And the fact that they had very similar behavior in the campaign, it's not a campaign. You actually have to do things that improve people's lives and seem like you are capable and know what you're doing. And, you know, I think that the big, huge part of the reason that Barack Obama left with such incredibly high 
approval ratings is that, you know, after eight years, people just had to begrudgingly admit, like, there was just nothing to hang your hat on. There was nothing besides policy that you disagreed with to turn him into a monster like they did with her. Like, I just think that, you you know, to keep it, to keep your nose clean like that allows you in this sort of hyper-polarized social media age is so important. And I don't know, I don't, even if it is strategic, I don't think they're possible, they, they're capable of stopping it. You know, as the information has come out about various federal agencies being told that they are not to communicate or release information right now, I have watched that from a more measured place because I think about how important communication is to me in the business world and how much one bad email sent to a large group of people can damage your credibility so significantly. So there's a piece of me that understands, well, here's how I would handle it, right? If, if, if this is the right approach, you want to get buy-in from the people at the agencies, right? You should sit down and say, hey, everybody, I don't have a cabinet secretary for this agency yet. And until I do, I think it's really important that we're careful about what we say publicly because we need to all get on the same page about policy. So until that time, I want to do the following things. And then go have Sean Spicer come to the media and say, hey, everybody, you're not going to hear from these agencies until Congress has confirmed our nominees for these cabinet positions, because it's important that we speak with a clear voice on these topics and we need to get our ducks in a row. Like, I think some of this is substance and some of it is form. And I know that as I'm saying that there are people whose heads are exploding because they don't have any patience for any of this. And those concerns may be borne out. I have not reacted as much to that topic as others. And that's sort of what I mean about, like, how do we keep our eye on the ball? Because there's so much happening so fast. How do we, when you think about your limited time and energy as a citizen of these United States and your ability to speak to your representatives and demonstrate and write letters to the editor and do all the things that we can do to be active participants in democracy, how do we narrow in on the things that really matter at the times that the action can do the most good. Well, I think what really matters is going to vary by person by person. You know, if you're a science person who believes in the free flow of information, especially considering how much of that information is controlled by government funding and government agencies, then this is something you're going to be really passionate about. And, you know, of course they manhandled it and handled it wrong. And I mean, you don't want the national park service sitting up an alternative Twitter feed. Like that's, This is what I'm talking about, though. Like, this is the mismanagement that you, even if it's strategic, I don't think it's worth it. Like, now that they have, you know, I love that Badlands National Park went from like 7,000 followers to, you know, 70,000 followers. Like, it's just, you're just, it's, again, a a campaign is not a presidency. And I think this is going, we are not very far in. We're not very far in at all. And it is such a shit show. And I think that it's just going to get worse. And I don't know that as far as like what to focus on, I think it's just going to how much time do you have and what do you care the most about? Because there's plenty to choose from. But also, I think being strategic, even in the even within those constraints, being strategic about it, because it is highly possible that the sort of lockdown on information, even scientific data right now is temporary. 
So to me, if you're passionate about that issue, great, monitor it very closely, but give it a little time until all of the cabinet has been seated, you know, and and then see what happens. In the meantime, focus on the cabinet nominees. Are these people that should be confirmed or not? And it does not, in my mind, do a whole lot of good to say they are all unacceptable, right? So focus in on a couple that you think are the most important. It's tough. This is a really challenging time, but I would say, and I understand everybody wants to hear Trump's not normal. Everything's horrible. We got an email today from a listener saying, hey, did everybody that didn't agree with President Obama feel as scared as I feel right now? I think there are always different degrees of that. Well, and I think that, look, the Tea Party came about after President Obama was elected. It's not like there weren't people protesting, people threatened, people creating resistance movements that were pretty dang successful. You know, like the Tea Party got into Congress and shut down, dang near got close to shutting down our government. So I don't know. I think that, yeah, there is a there is a, a precedent for this level. I mean, I think there are more people involved with the Trump resistance than there was with the Tea Party resistance. Um, I, you know, everybody has been emailing us and sort of like, well, I just feel so overwhelmed and I don't, it feels so, you know, pointless at this point. And I totally understand where you're coming from. And I totally understand the frustration and, you know, feelings of being overwhelmed and not knowing what to focus on and feeling scared. And like, it just feels like we're riding this massive tidal wave right now. But to me, it's like, you know, I feel better in that at least we're just going on the roller coaster, like the anticipation of what could be is over. And now we know what we're fighting and it. Like, I just, I am less stressed now than I was during the campaign because the, I don't do well in transitions period, but it was just the, you know, it was just, you were arguing with air, like, well, give him a chance or he won't really do it. And now we're like, okay, well, this is what he signed. And this is my specific problems with this. And this is why I, this data or this information shows it won't work. This is why it doesn't represent my values. Like at least we have something now, but I understand why everybody might not be, feel that way. <laughs> I can say in 2012, I was very disappointed in the outcome of the election. I was very disappointed in the first four years of the Obama presidency. I was very concerned about the course we were on as a country. I remain very concerned about that course. Unfortunately for me, my party nominated someone who doesn't make me feel any better about that. So I can relate to I can relate to conservatives who say, well, this is just how it is when somebody from the opposing party comes to this position. I can also relate to liberals who think, yeah, but this is different, right? Because it for me is different also. I don't know what to tell everyone except that it makes me think of this line from Into the Woods where the this prince says in a really dramatic fashion, worrying will do you no good, right? That's kind of how I feel right now. It's more like let's be discerning. Let's digest what's happening. Let's fully understand it, especially with respect to these executive orders. I am not sure what some of them mean right now other than a headline. 
let's get our arms around that. Yeah. And go forward and respond the best that we can. It's still a democracy, you know, and the, and the good news about executive orders is that they are undone with the same flourish of a pen with which they were done. So, you know, a, a lot of this gets back to we got to run good candidates. There have to be people to we have an election in two years that could substantially change the dynamics here. And people need to be focused on that today. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
Well, did you see though? We're not a we're a democracy, but we're a flawed democracy. Did you see the Economist? Report? I have not seen that. No, the Economist Intelligence Unit, which is like a, I think it's like some research piece of the Economist magazine. They do reports on like the states of democracy, and we were downgraded from a full democracy to a flawed democracy. And I don't think it, they said it wasn't really because of Trump. It was because of an erosion in confidence in government and public institutions, which sounds about right. That sounds about right. And also I hate it and wish that that were not the case. Yep. So we could keep talking about Trump and his executive orders for a long time, but we really want to get to all the awesome feedback that everyone wrote in about our inauguration episode and specifically our discussion about pro-life, pro-choice marchers um, participating in the Women's March. And I wanted to clarify, we had a listener, Lisa, write in uh, with a really great email and what she thought when I said to me, it's a Democratic issue that I meant like the Democratic Party. I did not. I meant like little d Democrat as in the majority of the people planning the march should probably decide whether it's appropriate or not. Um, I think there is room within the Democratic Party for pro-life people. So and I don't think Democrats um, need to own all the territory on pro-choice issues. So if I misspoke or sort of... Um, alluded to something I didn't mean. I'm, I apologize. But that's definitely not what I meant. So we got, you know, we just continue to get passionate and interesting comments about abortion. And one point that Dylan made is it's different to come to the march to advocate for pro-life issues versus coming to the march as a pro-life person who is mm-hmm. generally on board with sort of the rest of the principles at the march. Yeah. Well, and I think there were people who, women who were pro-life and didn't come to advocate for that, just came to participate in the march and decided, like, these are, this is my, my values are pro-life, but the other stuff is more overwhelmingly important to me. Maybe not more important, but I'm going to focus on that right now. And then there were people that, like, came and openly advocated their pro-life values, which I think was sort of uh, misplaced, um, was very sort of incendiary signs but i mean i think what bugs me that about the whole thing and about the madonna discussion and the ashley judd discussion is this idea that like this march needs to represent one thing or one person or it represents how all liberal women feel or how all any women feel like the 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 human drive to like be reductive is so strong in a situation like this it's really unnecessary Well, I agree with that. I think that there are people who would hear that and say, well, then why exclude the partnership with the pro-life organization? And I don't want to re-plow ground that we've thoroughly plowed, (laughs) but it's just a tough issue. And again, I think that I do think Dylan's distinction between excluding pro-life women and excluding a pro-life organization mm-hmm. that wanted to come to actively demonstrate against, you know, reproductive rights is is a helpful Important one. Important one, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to move anyone necessarily, but I think it's a helpful one. And, you know, we got an email from Kate saying that, look, aren't we all just really asking for the freedom to think about this ourselves? And with with that as the goal, don't things like respect for making decisions about our bodies come with it? 
So sort of saying that this is essential to feminism. It's frustrating to be told how we should feel about anything, but is a, is a logical extension of that, that we get to make our own choices here. And, you know, I thought, I thought that was a great, a great point. Well, and it's just so hard, you know, I wrote back to one listener and said, like, you know, my best friend in the world is a devout Catholic whose values are most certainly pro-life. And we have great conversations all the time about this. We have solved some stuff. They really should just put me and Elizabeth in charge of this issue. We could really work it out quickly and efficiently. But unfortunately, that is not how it works. And to expect that level of dialogue on a march that involved you know, 2.5 million people is probably a big ask. And so, you know, I think that we can, the, the women's March was not perfect. It was never going to be perfect. Um, there were going to be things that happened that didn't represent every person who was there's complete and total values. And so, um, I think we just need to give everybody a little bit of grace and take the positive parts of that March and, you know, extrapolate that into our personal lives without it becoming something that it doesn't we're not going to solve this we're not going to solve whether or not you can be a feminist and pro-life in the same way we're not going to solve whether life begins at conception or not like it's just there is too big of a spectrum for beliefs and values within those labels and within those philosophies and then within those situations and so like it's cool we can all feel differently about this like you know the polarization and the picking aside is so unhelpful. (laughs) Well, right. To me, it's what can we work together on right now? Let's find those things and work together on those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we also got a nice message from Carrie about just being careful. This was in response to our inauguration discussion in which we both said we, if we don't, if not necessarily applauding it, but understanding the portions of Donald Trump's speech that were directed at sort of the drain the swamp kind of language, mm-hmm. right? Taking the power out of Washington and back to the people. And Carrie pointed out that like, look, a lot of Kelly, Washington- Kelly, her name was Kelly. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, a lot of people in Washington are middle class people yeah. who are there working hard in a very high cost of living space who have foregone better incomes elsewhere because they want to do public service. And so just recognizing that, like, when we say Washington as shorthand, we're scooping up a whole lot of people who are not what we mean when we talk about basically people who make a fortune off of lobbying or or whatever to the detriment of of the greater good. So I thought that was an important point and appreciate it. Listen, a lot of those people are my friends and former law school classmates. (laughs) A lot of those people, I used to be one of those people. I lived in Washington, D.C. for five years. I absolutely um, understand that there is a huge swath of, you know, people I still love and are completely devoted to as human beings doing great work in Washington, D.C. So I would never want to imply that um, it is a swamp in need of draining because I do not feel such things. Yeah, I I agree. While I certainly understand um, the point, and I do think there are issues that need to be addressed, and I do think that there are problems with a very small number of people very entrenched in their positions and sometimes enriching themselves at the expense of others. I do not mean to suggest that that is the whole of Washington, D.C. or the whole of people working in government or the whole of our politicians. So I appreciated the the 
calling out of that nuance. Absolutely. So uh, the last thing that we should mention is the makeshift coffee house, coffee house that we have promoted before went very, very well. Yes, this is one of our listeners, Sarah. Great name. Um, and her father, who is a like a professional mediator and is trying to use those skills to help people have political discussions, which is amazing. And I told him, I asked him if he, you know, did a couple more and really felt like he understood what skills worked well and which didn't in the experience he'd come on the show and share with us. But until then, if you'd like to um, make their own, make your own makeshift coffee house in your hometown, you can go to makeshiftcoffeehouse.com and check it out. So we want to say a big thank you to Jessica and Anupama. I hope I am pronouncing that Good job. I looked it up before the show started, and that's right. (laughs) It's it's such a lovely name. So Jessica and Anupani, thank you so much for uh, supporting PNC Politics. Thank you, Allie, for becoming a new subscriber to our show. And as always, thank you, Melissa, Tracy, Tracy, Ashley, Audrey, Christine, Nicolette, Paige, and Sydney for being all-star supporters. Uh, We are looking to really increase the quality of what we bring you this season, and all of your support helps us do that. We also, um, actually, I wanted to say when I was looking up how to say Anupama's name that my computer highlighted it and it gave me the definition in Sanskrit, which is unparalleled. And that's, oh, amazing. that's awesome. That is that's awesome. That's the coolest name definition either. Just a little side note. So before we wrap up, we wanted to share a little sneak peek of next week's episodes. This weekend, Beth and I are actually going to see each other in person, which is very exciting. And we are going to record a double date between us and our husbands. We thought that'd be a fun way to get out of the studio, mix it up, and introduce you finally to Nicholas and Chad. So look for that on Tuesday. And then on Friday, I'm going to be sharing a conversation I had with Dr. Tamara Mantweel, who many of you might have read her story either in Lenny or on Huffington Post about her heartbreaking experience in Ohio trying to get a therapeutic abortion after she lost her baby and sort of the um, controversies involving heartbeats and what defines a life. And she has been a really thoughtful advocate and very brave sharing her story. And I can't wait to share that conversation with all of you. So look for those episodes next week. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Holland, and to our Chief Creative Officer, Dante Lima, for all the work they do to make Pantsu Politics possible, and to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsu Politics, or Instagram at Pantsu Politics. Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsu Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at or beth at